0: Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi and welcome. Wonderful to be in your company this afternoon. It is Wednesday. It is 10 past 2 and it means it's time for Judaism 101.9. It's great to be back. Apologies for not being on air last week um, due to, uh, I guess, the aftermath of Purim. But um, it's hard to think about the fact that already Purim is over a week behind us which means we're a week closer to Pesach, which means we've got three weeks left till Pesach. It is really, really, literally just around the corner. But uh, let's deal with today first, and let's talk about what is on the agenda for today, or what is today actually all about. Well, today is actually the 22nd day in the month of Adar. And that may not ring too many bells, that may not excite you per se, To know that it's the 22nd day of Adar Other than (coughs) if you research the 22nd day of Adar in history And you don't have to go back all that far. But if you go back to 1430, that's in, of course, in the secular calendar, 1430, the 22nd day of Adar fell on the 6th of March. Now, today we know is the 15th of March. So what has all of this got to do with us? Well, what was so significant about the 22nd day of Adar, which in 1430 was the 6th of March? Anybody? Well, I'll tell you. It was actually... A really, really, truly spectacular, momentous occasion that took place because if you've thought that it's just recently that there's been, unfortunately, a rise in anti-Semitism and if you thought that it's just in our day and age that, uh, or perhaps in the last 100 years or so that there has been a jealousy and a hatred and a pursuance of Jews um, and their religious affiliation um, that it only started recently. Well, unfortunately not. We can go back centuries. And this was one of those instances. In the year 1430, the 6th of March was chosen, listen to it, it was chosen by the leadership in Rome and particularly – Archbishops, priests, cardinals, and so on, who came up with the fantastic idea, in inverted commas, cynically speaking, of course, sarcasm, yes, with the fantastic idea of the fact that they needed to convert every Jew to Christianity. And if they didn't succeed, in other words, if those Jews refused to convert, and we all know how often Jews have been challenged in that way they would be able to kill them. So it was a great choice. You choose to become a Christian or you die. And in fact, the date sounds a little bit Purim-like. The date that they chose was the 6th of March, 1430. And the 6th of March in 1430 was today, the 22nd day of Adar. That's how it fell out then. And so amazingly today was meant to be a day on which the Jews of Rome, the Jews in that region, of course, then the power of the uh, Catholic Church and all these archbishops and all these priests was immense. It was great. And they laid down the gauntlet literally for all Jews under their dominion in their uh, reach in uh, the known world at the time that you either had to accept Christianity, or you would face a horrendous death at their hands. Well, what happened? Amazingly, amazingly, on that date, you can check it up, you can Google it, you can look it up in your history books. On that date, the 6th of March, 1430, there was an earthquake that hit Italy, that hit Rome. Not only did the whole place shake, But many of these archbishops and cardinals who had come up with the idea in the first place were killed in a most terrible, terrible earthquake that confronted the area. And it was following that earthquake that the then Pope, Pope Martin V, annulled the decree. He came up and against uh, whatever these cardinals and so on had, had said, and he took it in the right light, and that was... That this earthquake that happened in Rome on that appointed day was clearly something that came min ha-shamayim. This was something that came from heaven. This earthquake that literally shook them, destroyed them, pulled them apart for the most heinous kind of anti-Semitism, for the most heinous kind of barbaric behavior that they had conjured up in order to try either to convert the Jewish community, convert the Jews, or to have them killed. This earthquake sorted them out. The earthquake of the sixth of March, 1430, the twenty-second of Adar in uh, five seven eight three, um, which uh, sorry five seven eight three is today. We <laughs> going back to then 1430. You can look it up. I didn't, didn't have it printed out in front of me. I apologize. Not going to be able to do the mathematics here, but it was on the twenty-second of Adar, the sixth of March, that this earthquake shook them and took the life out of their campaign to kill the Jewish community and wipe out Judaism in their region for once and for all. Pope Martin V annulled the decree following this um, earthquake, but it was something wonderful, something stupendous, something amazing. And it came, obviously, between Purim and Pesach, which is, Right here where we are, Purim to Pesach, where we had, on the one hand, the idea of the Purim miracle, which we discussed a couple of weeks ago, and of course we lived through and relived with the reading of the Megillah and the Purim celebration which took place last week, and we're headed towards Pesach, where we've got two different types of miraculous events, the Purim kind of miracles, where we had people, Acting out and doing things and pulling the strings, so to speak, of the uh, miraculous escape from Haman and Achashverosh. And then we've got, in a few weeks time, the miracles that were wrought by God, where they were, of course, comparable to earthquakes. There were plagues and there was the splitting of the Red Sea and there were all sorts of amazing, supernatural events that culminated with us getting out of Egypt and being able to cross the Red Sea and receive the Torah um, seven weeks later, that or six weeks after the crossing of the Red Sea, seven weeks after we got out of Egypt. But that this all gave us um, these kind of outer brackets of uh, this event that took place in Rome in 1430 of uh, the earthquake that put paid to the um, – Terrible, terrible thinking of uh, the Christian church, of the Catholic church at the time to either make people convert, make Jews convert or have them killed. So quite an amazing uh, story and quite an amazing link uh, that kind of juxtaposes or brings together the story of Purim and the story of Pesach. And it all comes together actually with this amazing event that happened in 1430 on this particular day. Now, when we look forward to the coming week, and that is what we usually like to discuss on Judaism 101.9, we have a very, very significant and special Shabbat coming up. We know now that it is today, the 22nd of Adar, which means tomorrow is the 23rd, which means that Friday is the 24th, which means that Shabbat is what we call Shabbat Mevarachim. On this coming Shabbat, we will bless the new month. And it's not just any new month. It is the month of Nisan. And on the Shabbat, when we bless the new month, or if it coincides with Rosh Chodesh, Nisan, we read a special parasha. We're going to take out two Torahs from the Ark on this coming Shabbos. We're going to read from the first Torah. We're going to read the double Parsha of Vayakel and Pekude and complete the second book in the Torah, we're going to complete the book of Shmot. complete all the things about the tabernacle and its construction and how Moshe Abenu dealt with the accounting of everything that was brought. And then some, all of the um, events and all of the things of the tabernacle of the Mishkan are uh, finally uh, put to rest, packed away, and everything is uh, summed up on this Shabbos as we come to the end of the book of Shemot, the end of the book of Exodus. And then from the second Torah, we're going to read Parshat HaChodesh, HaChodesh Hazelachem, HaChodesh Lachem, the instruction given to the Jewish people as their first mitzvah, which was to have this coming month, the month of Nisan, as the first month in your calendar. And to celebrate Pesach in this month, in the middle of the month, commemorating our exodus from Egypt. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So when did it all begin? When is actually the beginning of a Jewish year? And this is a debate that our sages have had. And when we think about The commandment to the Jewish people just before we got out of Egypt that this should be the first of your months, it seems to be pretty clear to us that the first of the months, as we count our months, should actually be Nisan. And we're now in Adar. I told you it's the 22nd of Adar today. We're ending off the month of Adar, and we're going to come towards the end then of the 12th month of the year. And then next month, which is going to commence next week, when we come to uh, Rosh Chodesh, Nisan, we're going to begin the first month. And how does that all line up with the fact that actually the beginning of the seventh month, we're going to go through six months, and then we're going to have the seventh month, and that is going to be Tishrei. And that's when we celebrate Rosh Hashanah. So we've got Rosh of the Shana, Rosh of the year. Tishrei time, September time, Rosh Hashanah time. And then we've got Rosh of the Chadashim, of the Chodesh, of the Chodesh's, let's call it, of the plural, of the months. That is going to happen now, next week, beginning of the month of Nisan. And this is in fact what we are instructed to remember and to take note of and to live out when we are about to leave Egypt, where we're told, HaChodesh Hazelachem. This should be the first of your months, and it should be Rishonhu, It's got to be the first of your months. And we then go on uh, being told about the fact that we've got to eat matzah and we've got to uh, make the uh, paschal offering and we've got to do all of that stuff. And that is to commemorate. And each year we've got to do that in the spring in Israel, in the springtime. That is when this should all take place and celebrate Pesach, um, bringing the Karban Pesach on the 14th of the month of Nisan. And uh, we go to great lengths to describe in the Torah what this month of Nisan is actually all about. It's the time when we quit Egypt and when we really molded together and became a people. And that people then began its march towards Mount Sinai to receive the Torah. So we have the strange idea of a, a Rosh Hashanah of a year calendar. That doesn't match with a month calendar. The years and the months don't quite line up. In fact, our Rosh Hashanah is not as we would be used to that 1st of January marks the beginning of 2023 or next year 2024, that that lines up, that the years and the months line up. In the Jewish calendar, the years and the months don't line up. In fact, it's often been described, if we think about it, Um, If you want a better kind of a, uh, let's call it an understanding of this whole thing, that it's almost like the sphere that is the earth. The earth is a sphere. And we all know that there is a North Pole and there is a South Pole. But it's very difficult for us to really fathom which is the top and which is the bottom. The way we're used to seeing our globe is that we have a top, and we call that the North Pole, and we have a a bottom, and that is the South Pole. But in fact, when we talk about a sphere, there's no such thing as a top and a bottom, actually. It's the way we depict it, but it's actually a round ball. Who can say it's a top and who can say it's a bottom? Are we on the top because we are here in South Africa, or are we on the bottom because we're, or on the top because we may be in the United States or we may be in Australia or whatever, which is the top and which is the bottom, which comes first? And if we think about the concept, well, it was actually brought out by um, a Talmudic exchange that takes place between the great men of Athens. Yeah, we're shifting a little bit away from Rome. Our first story, the great men, wise men of Athens had a a debate with the famous Rabbi Yeshua. In which the Greek philosophers challenged this Talmudic sage and they said to him that he should identify the exact center of the world. Rabbi Yeshua, without um, skipping a beat, held up his finger and said, it's right here. This is the center of the world. And he said, you can take ropes if you wish and measure it. You can go around the world and you can measure and you'll find that this is the center of the world. What was he talking about? When we talk about a sphere, when we talk about a a a round ball, which is the top and which is the bottom? Which is the center? Any point can be the center. And if you go in any direction, you'll come back to that and we'll be able to prove that that is actually the center. It sounds like a strange kind of a discussion, but what is it actually talking about? It's because from a Jewish point of view, there can be a center and the most important part of the world and of the year and of our lives can be Rosh Hashanah, that is the beginning of the creation of the world. Or we could take it from another extremely great and high point in our calendar, and that is the beginning of the month of Nisan, where in fact we became a people. So what are we talking about? There are two commemorative notions, two commemorative times in the Jewish calendar. There is a time when we celebrate the creation of man. And when we think about that creation of man, the creation of man was not only the creation of us Jews or uh, people who are going to walk towards Mount Sinai and receive the Torah, but rather... All mankind, all mankind was created on Rosh Hashanah. And the build-up to that was actually the creation of the whole world, the whole universe. Everything that was created in this world that God created, he culminated with the creation of man. And that took place on what we celebrate as Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of the year. It was the head of the year. Remember, the word Rosh means a head, and there's something significant about that too, which we'll talk about in a moment. We're talking about the head of the year. That was when things came into being. That was when everything came into being. That was when the world, the universe, came into being. But when it came to um, Rosh Chodesh, Nisan, it came to the month of Nisan, we were talking about the creation of really the Jewish people as a people. That was when we became a homogenized people who were on their way from And the persecutions of Egypt from the slavery of Egypt, we were on our way to receive our Torah, to receive our constitutional document that was going to make us follow and be part of um, Judaism, Torah, Mitzvot and so on from there on in. So we were celebrating two distinct Things When we think about Rosh Hashanah, we think about the time of Pesach, when we think about Rosh Chodesh Tishrei or Rosh Chodesh Nisan, we're talking about two different things. We're talking about the creation of man compared to really, in inverted commas, the creation of the Jewish people. And yes, you're going to argue with me. That Abraham was the first Jew and maybe it should have come from there and so on. But we're talking about here as a people, a people who are going to be leaving Egypt as one. The first instruction that God gives them is you need to have a calendar. And the calendar that you need to have needs to operate with the following thought process. It's got to realize and recognize first and foremost that there are going to be and there are significant dates that are going to come up in your calendar and they need to be celebrated every year. Every year you need to have a Pesach in its right season. You must commemorate liberation. We must commemorate freedom. We must celebrate the getting out of Egypt. This is the basis of Judaism, the idea of Galut and Gula. The idea of being in a restrictive space and being able to be redeemed from there, this is intrinsic to our modus operandi. This is intrinsic to our behaviors. This is what we're all about. This is something of the way that we function. We need to understand that there is restriction and we need to come out into that freedom, to that liberated um, arena. Uh, Like the birth of a child When a child is in utero When a child is pre-birth It is restricted It can't do Torah and Mitzvot It can't fend for itself And it needs to come out into So to speak the open It needs to be in an environment Where it can grow And it can uh, sustain itself And it can become a contributing Member of society and so on The idea of restriction And then redemption Galut and Geula And this is something that happens Pesach time. This is something that happened with Egypt. It was intrinsic and essential. But there's something more to it than that. And that is that God was telling us something about the idea of having a calendar that operates differently to everybody else. And within that, the celebration of time and Jewish time. And, yes, people often joke about the fact that when people come late, ah, that's Jewish mean time. Not necessarily true. Not necessarily true. In fact, uh, there are many Jews who are sticklers for time, many Jews who um, go out of their way to make sure that everything is pedantically on time. That really is the way that it should be and that it should function. But we're not talking about that kind of pedantic Um, adherence to time, but rather the concept of time in itself, the idea of how we as Jews value time and look at time differently to the way that everybody else does. The concept of the value in a moment, the value in an hour, the value in a day, if we think about so much of our lives, revolves around time. And so many things in halakha, in Jewish law, revolve around time. Yes, we've got a seven-day week. Ever thought where that came from? Of course, it came from Torah. And it's a seven-day week that is uh, utilized by calendars and by people all over the world, countries all over the world, even the ones who claim to be uh, not that religious and not that God-fearing and so on, secular states and so on. Everybody follows the idea of a seven-day week. It was something that came from Torah. But the idea of... A a week of a Shabbat uh, has got to do with time, our prayer services, our um, times of when when we can say the Shema, when we can't say the, the Shema, the idea of the difference between night and day for the adherence of certain mitzvot. Time plays a significant role. And then, of course, there are the times or the days within the calendar that we celebrate according to the events that happened on those days We go back to Pesach It needs to be the 14th of, of Nisan When the Korban Pesach was brought And at that night going into the 15th We celebrate Pesach It's done Right up until today, it's going to be done in a few weeks' time as we celebrate Pesach. Once again, it is something that keeps on coming back year after year after year. And we've spoken before about the way that all the Chagim work together, that they operate as a block, that um, they are always the same distance from each other. If we take from Pesach to Shavuot, from Shavuot to Rosh Hashanah, from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, from Yom Kippur to Sukkot, and all the way through, they are... One block that operates together, they're all dependent, so to speak, on each other. There is something significant about these time factors. We don't just willy-nilly um, postpone a festival, make it a little bit later because it's going to be more convenient at a weekend. It might work better on a Saturday night or whatever like um, other Um, uh, calendars might want to do, and even the regular calendar, if we think about the secular calendar, a lot of those liberties were taken in the construction of that calendar. From a Jewish point of view, no, God says, I need you to run a calendar that's going to be different. You Jews are going to operate according to a different Feet. You're going to operate according to a different value of time. You're going to operate according to a different space when it comes to time. Your, your time is going to be different from all other times. And in fact, this is some, something that prompts a lot of people to um, be careful of which birthday you celebrate. Do you celebrate your, let's call it your secular birthday or do you celebrate your Jewish birthday? From a Jewish point of view, the date that your soul came into this world is according to the Jewish calendar. It's got very little to do with the non-Jewish calendar. And in fact, we should place more value, I think, on the Jewish Calendar dates, a Jewish birthday and a Jewish anniversary, and a um, a, a Jewish date of, uh, of, of 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 commemorating something, should always be in the Jewish calendar. This is our calendar. This is our significance, and it gives us this great significance to what this coming month is actually all about. And this Shabbat of HaChodesh where we celebrate the fact that we became a people, that we were instructed to make a calendar that revolves around and works to a different beat. It is something significant about the headspace that we as Jews should be in at all times, not only now, but in the future as well. Be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. There is something very significant about a Rosh. We've spoken a lot about Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Chodesh, Rishon, which actually has the word Rosh in it. What is a Rosh? Rosh is a head. What is the head? And what are we talking about when we think about a head as opposed to a body? Well, perhaps if we think about... The fact that we have gone through the readings of three other parshiot, where we've taken out two Sifrei Torah on the last number of weeks. The first one was Shabbat Shkalim, where we spoke about how we need to deal with our money. The second one was where we spoke about Zachor, to remember our enemies around us, remember what our molek did to us, and that was just before Purim. Last week we spoke about para, the idea of purification of the body when we have become contaminated, when we become impure, and particularly through contact with the dead, with death. And now we come to Rosh Chodesh, or the idea of Shabbat HaChodesh, where we're thinking about the head of the year. So we've kind of focused on different dimensions of life, and now we're thinking about Now we're thinking about our heads. The difference between the head, of course, and everything else is the head is the powerhouse. The head is the control tower. The head is the place where decisions are made. And the head is where we know the essence of our focus actually comes from. You know, if you stop and you ask anybody uh, to point to themselves, the majority of people point towards where their heart is. This is me. And in fact, it's been proven time and time and time again that actually that part of you is not really you. Surely your head is more you than your body or than your heart. Well, is that correct? Is that actually true? Um, yes, the powerhouse of the body is in the head. But actually the soul of the individual is throughout their being. It is in the heart, it is in the mind, it is in the hands, it's in the feet. The, um, your whole persona is actually the real you. And therefore, if you pointed at any part of you, that would really be more descriptive. It would be more apt. It would be more correct. Pointing at your heart is not really you, but pointing at your head is actually more the the area of your control. Now, what actually controls us? Well, is it the passion of the heart that controls it? Do we just go to places and do things that we feel passionate about, that we feel uh, draw us, um, you know, that can draw us to good stuff, but it can draw us to trouble as well if we go just with the heart? We need to have control. We need to make sure that our heads, our mindset, our values that are uh, brought to our minds through our thoughts and through our um Uh, debates and our study and our knowledge and our wisdom, that all of those things which are seated in our minds, in our brains, in our intelligence, that those are the things that actually govern us a little bit more than just doing things on a whim, a fancy and a passion of the heart. The things need to be for through and our headspace is what really needs to govern us. And perhaps there is an instruction here that we're talking about Hachodesh hazeh Lachem, that this is Rosh Chodashim. This is the head of your months. Our months and our calendar needs to run according to a different way of thinking and a different mindset and a different set of values. It's not Necessarily true that everything that the world says you know they often used to say that uh what was the uh, the the, the, uh, the game the play the the sort of the play on it was you know a hundred million uh, or a hundred billion Chinese can 't be wrong they can be wrong the whole world out there could be wrong the whole world out there sometimes values things that are not of the greatest value to Jews and Judaism. And sometimes they disparage, they put down, they discount things that are of great value to us. And we've got to remember that. We've got to remember that just because the world said, just because everything out there seems to be pointed in a certain direction, doesn't mean that that is Jewish. And it doesn't mean that that's the way that we've got to go. On the contrary, very, very often, the way that the world says something should be, and the way that Judaism says that it should be, are polar opposites to reflect back on what we were speaking about before. There is the North Pole and there's the South Pole. There's the physical world and there's the spiritual world. There's the way that the whole world does it, and there's the way that Jews should be doing it. And this is, in fact, the underlying instruction of this coming Shabbat. Hazel This should be the first of your months, and your calendar needs to run. Very, very differently to the way that everybody else's does, particularly in terms of your headspace. I'll be back with you to sum up right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So, on this coming Shabbat, when we read. Parsha Tachodesh, Shabbat and We read all about the obligation of making a, a calendar, the idea of celebrating Pesach in its right time, and we are at the very uh, throes, a uh, very forerunner of uh, getting out of Mitzrayim, getting out of Egypt. Let's remember that the first instruction to the Jewish people was: You're going to be different. You're going to live differently. Your lives are going to not necessarily be exactly the same as everybody else in this world. There is the world. There's the creation of the world. And then there's going to be, ha there's going to be a, a, a way and a pattern and a time frame and a calendar and all of these things. A headspace that is going to be completely different for you to think in a Jewish fashion. To be Jewish and to run your lives in a way that sometimes seems to run against what everything else, uh, every, everybody else and everything else that goes on in the world. But the real job of the Jew is to take the world and to change it and make it holy. Make it better. That's what we're culminating with Parashat Vayakel and Pekude the building of the Mishkan, was taking physical material things and making them holy. We're meant to be taking this whole world and elevating it. That is our job. Our job as Jews is to live differently. To be different, but to remember that we have a role to play in the world. We're not meant to be elevated out of this world. We're meant to be elevated with this world, picking it up, lifting it, and changing it, and making it better, not only for ourselves, but for all mankind, for all human beings, and for All the other things that God created and placed into this very, very beautiful world. That's our job. That's our task. That's what we've got to do. And it all starts with HaChodesh Hazelachem, remembering that our focus needs to be a little bit different, that our headspace needs to be a little bit different, that our calendar needs to be a little bit different. But with that difference... We're viewing things from a different angle, and therefore we can take everything in this world and make it special, lift it up and make it holy. And that's really our task. And hopefully if we learn that lesson on this Shabbat Chodesh and we remember that we've got a job to do, and it's not about being the same, and it's not about doing the same. It's about doing our job as Jews in this world. We will ultimately... Hopefully, very very soon, see the exodus not only from Egypt that we'll celebrate on Pesach, but we'll see the exodus from this diaspora, the diaspora that we have been in ever since um, we were banished from our land with the destruction of the second Beit Hamikdash, the second temple, thousands of years ago. We hope and pray that very very soon we will see the Guula Hashlema v'haamitit, that we will see the true and complete, the final redemption with the coming of Mashiach, may he come speedily in our time. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead, and I look forward to being back with you again, same time, same place, next week on another episode of Judaism 101.9.